Welcome to What Is It All For, a podcast designed to help you grow your online business and pursue a spacious, satisfying life at the same time. We're your hosts, Jason and Caroline Zook, and we run Wandering Aimfully, an unboring business coaching program. Every week, we bring you advice and conversations to return you to your most intentional self and to help you examine every aspect of your life and business by asking, what is it all for? Thanks for listening, and now let's get into the show. And I'm here too. <laughs> Hi, hello, and welcome to the podcast. Oh my gosh, the energy. I, I thought it. you were going to sing. No, I brought it. Because that's usually your first go-to. Also, is like, I, let's I bring him in with the song. I listened to our last episode. There was no song. Really? There was no song. If you so, would have asked me, I would have been like, 50% of the time, Jason, intros with a Well, okay, 50%. Go ahead. Mm. You embarrassed me. Welcome to the podcast. Okay. And? Fantastic. So does that count now? Now, do you think you missed your career path as a musician no <laughs> no <laughs> me either <laughs> no no that is one thing the uh the zook family does not have musical talent talent do you yeah. think that our children will just be like musical prodigies that'd be cool that don't you love cool. those stories where it's like oh does anyone in your family and they're like no <laughs> yeah my mom can sing though we oh know your this. mom can yeah, sing yeah. maybe it skips yeah. a generation yeah oh cool. cool okay can um, anyone in my family sing no 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 do you want to move into the uh honesty corner Sure. I'll, yeah. I'll join you over there in the honesty corner. Nice. Um, this is the second time that we have started this particular episode. Yeah. Do you want to tell everybody what happened when we tried the first time? I don't because don't, I could possibly could get, get in trouble, trouble based on what you I said. You could say. get in so trouble. I will sit quietly in the okay. honesty corner with you. Yeah. But thank you for the invitation. Okay. You, you, you're the one who invited us here. Yes. So we yesterday afternoon, we started this podcast episode recording mm -hmm. and we did we started it at about 4 p.m. Sorry, can I interrupt you for just sure, one second? Sure, I would love for you to interrupt Man, me. it smells like sheep poop. <laughs> it does smell just like the most intense sheep sheep poop yeah. right now. We have the doors cracked. Yeah. And there's, there's just this, this, okay, I think it's a combination of it's hotter than usual. Right. Mixed with like the time of year. There's got to be there's some type one of, rogue pooping sheep around here. You think it's one sheep? I think it's one just doing work. Just doing work. <laughs> and then it's like, I think the direction of the wind. It just is hitting us perfect. It's a perfect poop storm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry. So anyway, I that's what Because it really hit me. Yeah. Like, that's right what's happening for us. Sorry. Go ahead. But yesterday we started recording the podcast at about 4 p.m. Yeah. And as we will discuss in this episode, I have been every day in the morning doing a lot of like very focused creative work to get this content blitz going, which mm. we'll talk about in mm -hmm. the episode. Mm -hmm. And I really, we had already pushed back the podcast recording by two days. We normally record on Tuesdays. This was going to be a Thursday. It's Friday as you're, as we're recording this. And so I was sort of of the mindset of like, yeah, we just got to get this done. And that doesn't mean I wasn't looking forward to it. I love recording the podcast. Sure. Yeah. And so, but I just, in my mind, I was like, we'll just push it to the afternoon. I'll right, get my right, right. most creative energy in the morning and then I'll just sit it down and chit chat in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. won't, won't that be great? How'd it go? Turns out you don't, it's not just about sitting down and chit chatting. You have to actually be able to formulate thoughts right. and sentences and so we're recording and it, we're about 15 minutes in and I am just struggling to even put words together. I asked you a question and it looked like you just like went into a it different was, space. You know that meme that's like, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> like your, your face just like glazed, like all yeah. of your face glazed over and it was like. And you know why? <laughs> because I was mentally deciding whether I thought my faculties were compromised enough that I needed to stop the recording and say, Hey Jason, I don't think we should do this right? because 
you had already invested time. You had set everything up. And so I was mentally fighting this battle of like, it's fine. Not every episode needs to be like so great. But then I was like, I actually haven't been able to say sentences. Yeah, I was. And asked- I feel like that's my line. We're going to talk about in this episode, where do you know the line is of like good enough versus yeah. perfectionism? We've talked about this in previous episodes. And I was playing that game in my head where I was like, maybe this is just like a good enough thing where I can just be okay with it not being great and just get it done. And then my mind was just like, yeah, but... I don't think we've reached the threshold of good enough when you can't say words. Yeah. Normally when we record these episodes, it's basically like one sit down recording and we're done. There's no edits. There's no nothing. Yesterday I had three times when I had notes rolling. I'm going to have to cut that out. I'm going to have to cut that out. There was like a minute and a half where I asked you a question. I didn't get a response (laughs) back and I didn't know what to do. (laughs) So I finally was like, hey man, I don't think this is good. And And he was like, yeah, no, it's not. uh, (laughs) Yeah, probably not. I would would guess probably not. So the honesty corner, the result of that is sometimes you just got to scrap it and start over and make a decision and be like, I actually, for my own quality standards, can't put that out. And I told Jason, the lesson learned is when I'm in the middle of a project that requires a lot of creative focus, you know, I can't do it at the end of the day. I have to make, if this, if I want to be able to have coherent thoughts, we need to record first thing and that's my bad. So we woke up and this is the first thing we're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. And as the person who didn't have those feelings i'm just i'm just over here i'm along for the ride you know yeah i'm just like uh you want to keep going nope okay i uh, do want to stop okay i do maybe this is off script but i do want to share because i think we're still in the honesty corner we're in the honesty corner we still. have not moved on to the tree of lies we where we're going after this <laughs> yes, yeah okay exactly. go ahead because i made an like a a revelation yesterday um that i think is going to serve me going forward that was a result of all of this. So I'm in the moment. I'm just feeling very frustrated because I can't put my, my thoughts into words and I'm so exhausted. It feels like I am just like slogging through the mud to even like sit down and do the podcast episode. And finally I make the decision that I'm going to say, we got to stop this. I can't, I basically, I have to admit that I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, it sort of spiraled for me into a bigger deal right? Because this is what I told you later on. We, Jason had the great idea to go in the pool afterwards. He was like, we need to cleanse ourselves of this. And he was right. But I was sort of looking back and going, it, my emotions escalated from like a, Oh, I'm tired to like a, I'm overwhelmed. Everything's crumbling around me. It wasn't that dramatic, but I'm just, I'm I'm trying to share with you the emotional escalation that happened. And whenever that happens, thanks to all the therapy that I've done, I always go, what happened there? Because Whenever I know that my emotional reaction is disproportionate to like the events that transpired, it's important to look back and go, why? Like, what was that trigger? And for me, I made the distinction that, you know, in that moment, it made me feel like I didn't have the capacity to do something that I wanted to do because I was tired. And what happened was my brain started making connections to all these different things that are happening in my life right now. Some stuff going on with family, some stuff going on with just various things, right? And the project, but I'm staring down the barrel of this big project and I'm worried that I'm not going to have what it takes to like actually get through it in a healthy way, you know, all these things. And so my brain made this like correlation that like, my inability to show up and push through in this podcast episode means that I'm incapable of, you know, doing what, it, having what it takes in my family life, having mm-hmm. what it takes in this it other really project. Out. It really extrapolates. Yeah. And when we were in the pool, I had a moment where I was like, okay, I just need to give it a little bit of a break and recognize this is not a bigger narrative. Yeah. I literally was just tired. 
Yeah. I was just tired. It's so interesting the the different ways that our two brains work. It's like your brain it ends up going down like a in Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> you uh for those of you who aren't playing, there's caves in this one. Yes. And in the caves, there's always a, a bubble gem. Mm-hmm. There's always a little bubble frog mm-hmm. in a cave. And sometimes you have to like just to keep going down in the cave. You gotta find more places, keep going. And so I think for you, it's like every time you go in a cave or like something like this happens, you just, you, you, your brain has to go like deeper and deeper and deeper until you find the bubble, mm-hmm. the bubble frog and the bubble gem. The way my brain works is like, I go in, I don't immediately see the bubble frog. I'm out. Like, I just got other stuff I got to do. It's not that important to so me. So are you saying in this metaphor that my brain's desire to go into the bubble cave and find the frog is my, it's not, it's not called a bubble cave. First of all, let's just get it right for everybody. Like, <laughs> it is a bubble cave. <laughs> is this my brain's desire to go into the bubble cave and find the frog? is my need to find the root of yes. the thing. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like every time something like this happens, I am just like, I'm like, I'm like a dumb animal. I'm just like, oh, okay, we'd stop recording the podcast. Let's move on to the next thing. You know, like totally. just, your brain is like, hold on a second. Wait a minute. What is going on here? We have to assess the whole situation. And I'm not saying it's a good and bad. I'm just saying it's so interesting how different our brains work because all my brain, and it's probably a protective mechanism for me. It absolutely is. That's what I was going to say. Do not get to the root of this issue because there's more things going to uncover. Let me go down this bubble cave. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. You just invited me right into a new bubble cave. You cannot call it a bubble cave. We're going to keep going. It's just a cave. It's just a cave. Okay. But can I ask you a quick question? What's more fun, a cave or a bubble cave? I guess a bubble That's cave. right. So now we have to go on a bubble game. <laughs> but it's not true of the game. I understand. And that hurts your heart. Yeah. But here we are. And when it's we, a bubble cave. Oh, so cave. now we're in the tree of lies. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In the tree of lies, there are bubble caves. Okay, okay great. So People are like, what did I tune into here? <laughs> what I think is so interesting is you hit the nail on the head, which is, because I think a lot of it just all comes back to what were the ways that our brains adapted to be able to protect ourselves as kids, right? Like that is all our subconscious is, is like these neural pathways that have developed in order to keep us safe. And so for me as a kid, I think being able to understand the connections between all these various social interactions that were happening in my family, to be able to, like my way of keeping myself safe was to assess the situation and go, what just happened there? Let me make sure I don't do that again so that I don't get this, you know, result basically. And, and, and a lot of it is wrapped up in, because I've done therapy, I know this as well. A lot of that bubble cave always comes back to how does that, how do I need to change my behavior in order to not cause X, Y, and Z to happen again? Right. Right. It's this oversized sense of self-responsibility that I have to work on all the time. Like I'm getting so much better at being able to separate when something is not my like responsibility thing, yeah, thing to fix, but my brain is always going to go to that place. So when I have that emotional reaction in the podcast, my brain is wants to figure out why did that escalate? How can I understand myself better so that I don't, you know, have that type of reaction in the future, your brain, it's still a protective mechanism, but your brain's way of keeping you safe is always compartmentalized. Move on, move on, put it in the black box. Don't even ask the question. (laughs) Hey, Hey, no bubble caves for me. Does anybody need cinnamon rolls? I could go (laughs) bake those right now. So I think it's just, it's it. You're right. It is fascinating the way that different people have different brains. And especially when you're in a relationship, I think, the more that you can though understand those things and articulate them, you know, because then it goes, you don't feel resentful of me for always needing to go understand it. But you know, I'm sure it's exhausting sometimes, but you understand that that's 
what I need. Yeah. And and sometimes it is frustrating that you don't want to have find those answers and that you just move on and you don't want to uncover things. That can be frustrating for me. But I also know and have compassion for the inner child within you that that's just your inner child trying to keep you safe. And yeah. so it allows me to have empathy and compassion for you. I want you to know that I will go back and get all the bubble gems, though. You, I know, you do. Because you I'm do 100% such a good completionist. Job. You, you know? just need somebody to like invite you into the bubble cave. And you're like, ugh, I don't want to, but I know oh, there's a gem is, in here. I was on another mission. You're always on another mission. This is true. I have lots of missions I can accomplish. That's actually your protective mechanism. like, next mission. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, 100%. Okay, great. Uh, Want to get into the actual topic of this episode? Sure. Okay. So we sort we, of touched on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we are working on this 26-day content blitz so if you have not listened to the past two episodes this might be new to you very quick recap leading up to our fall enrollment of Wayman Unlimited, our onboarding coaching program we wanted to do an external marketing project because we don't do a lot of external marketing and we haven't in a while and so we were like this is our last launch at our two thousand dollar price point because in 2024 we're going to raise the price for the first time in five years because we've invested so much into the program it is definitely worth it and we want to do something that kind of gives like a little bit of a, a nudge on this launch. So it's a three-pronged kind of goal for this 26-day content blitz. So we're gonna make 26 YouTube videos, 26 articles, and then we're gonna have a landing page on our site that kind of pulls all this together in a very fun way, which will be revealed once it's live. Um, and if you want real-time kind of, well, I guess it's real-time on the podcast, but every Monday we're giving kind of in-depth details of building this project, you can sign up at wanderinggamefully.com slash newsletter to get our Monday newsletter. It's the pre-marketing for the pre-marketing. It's the pre-marketing for pre-marketing. Just if you like watching people build stuff, it's, you're going to love it this week or every week leading up to the launch. So anyway, the three-pronged approach is we're creating these 26 videos and articles to have the short-term marketing. Just awareness. Awareness. Let's call exactly. it awareness it before is, the launch. It is an awareness of like, oh, wow, like there's a lot of content I can consume that's in a very organized place that I can see if Wayne Unlimited is right for me as the customer, as someone. And a lot of those people are probably going to be people who already are in our ecosystem yeah. who are just maybe didn't know necessarily that we were going to launch. And so yeah. they watch a couple of videos, they read a couple of articles and they go, oh, okay, that's coming up. These, and like, oh, these are business coaches. Let me watch a couple of videos or read a couple see articles. See if I like their style. Oh yeah. Okay. I would like to learn from these people. Great. Totally. Or I don't like those people. They're not serious enough for me. Move that's on. prong number one. Yeah, that's prong number one. Prong number two is kind of a long-term SEO play, if you will. So we have not had a good group of new articles on our site that really hit home our ethos. And so what I said in last week's episode was, you know, we basically cobbled together our content in as far as articles go on the WAME website from previous two businesses that we ran. We tried to tweak them a little, but we really have not created like signature content. And what we've learned over the past five years running WAME is we now know what our signature content is. So it's important to pull it out of all of our coaching sessions that only our members have access to put it on the front facing part of our website so anyone can get access to that information. Definitely. So that's kind of the longer term play. And then we hope that we're going to get some discovery via search in Google or via search in YouTube. So that's why we're doing that. Great. And then the third thing is just having a place to send people on our site moving forward. That's like, if you want to know what we're about, this is our ethos. These are 26 topics that we believe are kind of the most important for online business in the way that we look at running calm businesses and, and the idea of enough. Go watch this content. It's creating a rabbit hole for people to go in down. Is it a, is it a rabbit hole or is it a bubble cave? This is a rabbit hole. Oh, okay. But thank you for asking because they, I could see how could, the listeners could be confused. For sure, for sure. This is a rabbit hole. So we're creating a rabbit hole for people to go down in an easy way if they want to. And they would be able to spend a little bit of time and come away with like, 
wow, this is different than, you know, other business content. I learned something. I felt like this was applicable to my business. I'm interested, et cetera. Great. So we have been working on this project now for two weeks, fair to say. How are you feeling? Well, I think as evidenced in the (laughs) honesty corner. Yeah. How am I feeling? I am feeling like nervous Mm -hmm. for the future weeks, Mm -hmm. but also excited because I am enjoying working on the project. I think that's important. And I'm excited for the, the product that will come out of it. But I am nervous because now this is usually what happens once you get two weeks into a project, you realize how much more work than you even anticipated it is. And we'll talk about that in a second. Like, why is that? And it's yeah. because your standards, once you get in the inside of doing a task, you kind of go, oh, here are all these different parts I didn't anticipate to make it really good. Here's what I want it to be, et cetera. And so basically for the past week, I've been working on these scripts. And so I'm writing 26 YouTube scripts yep. and the videos aren't very long. They're like four to five minutes long. So thank goodness, because it wouldn't be possible if they were right. 15 minute videos to write 26 of them would be impossible. Yeah. Um, the part that I really like about it is I love going like, what is our signature content and how can I convey that in a way that's interesting yep um and also just for the listener the reason why you're writing all the scripts and we're not dividing this labor is because two head chefs in a kitchen yeah so it's like if we were both trying to do this it's just conflict because it's like i see it one way you see it a different way and i think these are this is one of those moments where it's just better for us if we just go one person should work on this yeah you're better at this than i am because i just want to like sit down hit record and be like let's just talk about this thing i'll tell you a metaphor that I think sums up our content. You can put your hand down. We're not in class. I put my hand up. <laughs> and I was just like, excuse me, can you call on me, please? I Here's a metaphor, a visual metaphor that just came to me that describes our content strengths, mm-hmm. okay? I am better, if, it's, if this is a gourmet meal, I'm better at like cooking the meat. It's like I know the meat of it, the found, like sort of like what I want to say. This doesn't relate to real life cooking though, right? Be- no, 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 no. <laughs> okay, just just to be to... clear, I don't know how to cook meat. So, um, yeah. but, but, but okay, we can go forward with the meat. metaphor. Yeah. You, what you're really good at is the sauce, like the marinade, like the flavors of that meat. Yeah. But it's like, I, I'm going to choose the meat that is going to be the best for this occasion <clears throat> and I'm going to cook it well. <clears throat> go ahead and get it. And you're all the flavor on top. And so if if you were writing scripts, they would be funny, they would be engaging, they would be entertaining, and would they would <laughs> be absolutely full of not a thing that you would learn. Yeah. I'm just kidding. That's no, obviously, no, no. That's obviously not it's, true, but... It's a good illustration of the difference with the two, right? Exactly. Like, and if I wrote all the scripts without your input, they would be boring, <laughs> they would be long, yeah. and they would be, you know, lots of good information, but yeah. like, you're not, not sticking around. Exactly. And, and I think that that's why, again, like division of labor. So we'll, we'll talk about kind of how we're adjusting those things because it's not just you're writing the script and then we're going to sit down and just like record, record it exactly. It, it just, it gives us a structure yeah. that then we can go from. And we actually learned this a lot last year in our full-time travels when we were making videos from every location. Um, we needed that script quote unquote, because if we just sat down and tried to recount the stories, I would go off on tangents. You would want to talk about something else. I would mention something you didn't know that we were going to, and they just would like, end up being derailed. twice as long. And it, it was just always like derailed. the process that got derailed. So yeah. I'm very hopeful that, this is going to help. So thank you for asking me how I'm feeling. Um, the the part, like, it's very hard for me to watch you struggle. Yeah, I Like, know. it's like one of the hardest things in our relationship. Yeah. And I know that 
this, the script writing process, you know, 26 of these, it's a lot for anybody, but it's also a lot for you as someone who like, we're also trying to do other things. You know, it's not just like you're sitting down for eight hours a day and just being like, I'm going to write scripts. Now you have been doing that, but there's also families that you got to manage the relationships with. There's our life here where we have to manage the, those relationships. It's summer. So we're also trying not to just like sit and look at our laptops while it's beautiful outside. And there's just other work things that are you know, around two. And so I, I do, I find myself trying to just be like, I trust Caroline to know her limits. Totally. And she's going to be able to tell me when she needs to stop or when she's whatever. I'm also going to try and remind her, drink some water, you know, yeah. come up for air every once in a while. Uh, and, and just to try and be that nudge. Well, that's, that is actually a difference I feel in this project, going back to my whole feeling of being nervous is, you know, I, f- I feel like you're having to do those reminders less and less because something that I'm trying this time around is as I was staring down the barrel of what I knew would be a big project, one of our biggest this year, I thought to myself, how can I apply <laughs> again? I'm taking my gems from my bubble caves yeah, and yeah, I'm yeah, going, sure. how can I, you know, take what I've learned in the past and apply it to this project so that I don't get overwhelmed or I don't get to the point of like, it's all crashing down on me. And I know I like really made it sound dramatic yesterday. That was not a, like the world is crashing no, down on me moment. Yeah. That was more of just re- like a, I think it's relatable. I think, no, anybody, I know it's relatable. Yeah. I just want to be clear about what the, um, the there's levels the to this. The How thermometer high up was exactly the thermometer. The, the thermometer was not very high up. Yeah. But it was like enough to be like, what just happened? Um but what I'm trying to avoid is like you it breaks off the top of the thermometer. Okay. Right. And so what I realize is this time around I think actually it's not going to be about how I do the work. It's going to be about how do I manage everything else around the work? Yeah. So am I exercising every day? Am I drinking water? Like you said, am I taking breaks? Like you said, am I, you know, just going to sleep at the right time that, that has made such a difference in feeling like when I wake up in the morning doing such a hard, creative, creatively taxing task it's the difference between, you know, I'm climbing uphill through like molasses versus like sand. Yeah. It's like, okay, sand is hard, but molasses is just like, impossible. it feels impossible. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, uh, like a mountain of molasses, that's messy AF. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure it's physically, like with the no, laws no. of physics. Yeah, I think it would just be um, a puddle. A puddle, but. But if it was a mountain, yeah. oof. Maybe there's that some like dense, sticky my, stuff underneath. My like resistance to sticky things, that's disgusting. Exactly. Okay, let's talk about the push-pull of finding good enough in this project. And I think this is one of those that where we talk about this, like I'm the accelerator and you're the brakes. Yep. I'm always willing to just push forward. And I think this is, you know, for anybody who's been around my stuff forever, my previous newsletter was the Action Army. And it was just about this idea of like, just imperfect action all the time, all the time, all the time. And I have just lived, eat, and breathed that in my entire entrepreneurial career. And it has served me extremely well. Extremely well. And and I'm not saying that as like, oh, I'm financially so successful. It's more of just like, I don't get stuck in comparison traps. I don't get stuck in any of these things because I'm just like, I'm just going to do it. And Well, totally. And I think if we have learned anything, you know, I do think that a focus on just not quantity, but just getting things out the door will get you so far in it business. Does. And, and I truly believe that anybody listening to this who is a person who gets stuck in the imposter syndrome and the comparison traps, I, I would be willing to bet, and this is not to criticize in any way, that the amount of stuff you've ever published publicly is not that much. Mm-hmm. Be- 
because you just, you're not giving yourself enough of a chance to feel the discomfort to then get through the discomfort. Absolutely. And I, and I think for me, what I have learned over the years is just like, I just wish everyone could feel the like, just keep publishing, just keep moving forward, just keep doing things because no, especially in the time we live in now, 10 years ago, this was wildly different, but, but now like things don't last very long. Totally. So you might put all this like criticism and fear, self-criticism and fear on like the next thing you publish, but like someone's going to see that for such a short period of time. Absolutely. So let's tie this back to how does this relate to this project, what you're describing right now. And mainly this came up when I started writing like the first or second script and I came to you and was like, wow, this is going to take so much longer than I thought. Yeah. I had written out in tasks, okay, this day, uh, write scripts one through five. Yeah. And so I thought I could do five in one day. And it turns out, especially the first ones, because you need to come up with a process. It was taking so much longer than I thought. Right. And so I looked at you and I was like, Hey, I just, I letting you know, I think this is going to take longer than we think. And you were sort of like, no, it can't take longer than we think. It was sort of like, no, you need to like write whatever you can in one hour so we can move on. It was very much this like gas instead of brakes mentality, accelerator, accelerator instead of brakes mentality. And while I appreciate that, we did have a discussion because I, when you say stuff like that to me, I'm not even, I'm not mad about it. Cause I think it's such a good balance that we bring to each other. So I, I pause and I go, is he right? Like this might be the only way to get this project done is to just compromise kind of my quality standards and not spend so much. Time. I had this moment where I was like, no, I really think, especially going back to our prongs, especially if we want this to be a place where people go to find out about us, especially if we want it to be for long-term SEO and especially if we want it to be for short term to contribute to, you know, purchasing Wandering Aimfully Unlimited, I was like, I really think that if there was one thing to spend more time on, it's the concepts of the videos themselves. Mm-hmm. It's making sure that each topic actually has our foundation information that we would want to share with someone coming into our world that is actually helpful. That is, and that's what the t- how much time it was taking. It was like, so we have 26 different video topics. I needed to really ask myself what is imperative to include in each one of these videos if I want them to live on. And so we had this discussion where we kind of debated back and forth. And I think ultimately, do you remember what our compromise was? Mm-mm. We, I came up with the idea. I said, I I've hear, already compartmentalized. I know you're like, you're next mission. <laughs> yeah. But I told you, I said, I hear you and you're right. How about if you take a look at the two scripts that I've done. Right. You record them and tell me how long the videos are going to be. And then we look at that length and I can only, that's going to be my constraint moving forward is I can only do videos that are that length. Mm -hmm. And you did it and you were like, yeah, this is actually a five minute video. It's not as long as I thought. And so that's what it takes to make a good five minute video. And so we're going to move forward with that. Yeah. yeah, And so we landed on a compromise. Totally. And yeah, the thing I was just really nervous about was that first day when you were like, okay, it's taking me like a full day to write the first script. I'm like, okay, well, it can't take us 26 days to write the scripts because the videos are coming out in 26 days. And it turns out what took me so long on that first day was not just writing the first script. It was coming up with a process for writing the script. Yeah, of course. So it was like figuring out how do I formulate the bullet points how do I go through and then by the you know fifth or sixth I started going oh this is what an intro looks like this is going to be the format this is how I break down my ideas into you know and so it became a lot easier yeah and if you're curious uh you know I think 
were not really paying too much attention to like what works on YouTube. Like, yeah, that's not really what we're looking for in this. We're looking for how can we deliver this information in a way that people consume content on YouTube, but also in a way that just feels like we can get it done because I feel like we could go down all the bubble caves of like, well, how does this person how do, do these videos? How do you hook a viewer? Yeah, and what is like, this? And, and it's like, yeah. that stuff's good and maybe worth paying attention to, but like, we're really not trying to be full-time YouTube creators. Totally. We're just trying to use YouTube to extend this information that we have come up with. And this goes back to what you were saying in the beginning about just having a bias towards action and moving forward. I started doing a little bit of that research just so that I could use yeah. my time. You, you want to start somewhere. Yeah. And yeah. you also want to work smart, not hard. You know what I mean? So I was like, well, what does all this work for if I don't use a couple of best practices that I know are going to actually, you know, be beneficial to intriguing someone, making them want to actually consume the information, et cetera. But going back to your whole thing about bias towards action, I knew if I focus on comparison and like I need, oh, well, I know what a good YouTube video looks like. So I need to create that. People spend all their 100% of their focus for years and years honing their videos, honing yeah. their craft, honing their storytelling. I don't have that skill set built up yet. And if I spend all of this time trying to build up that skill set instead of just creating the content, we're not, we're going to be in a bad spot. Yeah. And so uh, some of it is acknowledging where you are in the journey of whatever skill you're trying to build and going, you know what, this isn't going to be my, this isn't going to be up to my full potential of what I know I could do if I had more time to research like all the best practices, but this is going to be good enough. Exactly. And you know, it's, I know these videos are going, going to be valuable and it's okay if they're not perfectly poised to like hit the algorithm, you know, it also go back to, it goes back to the name of this podcast, which is what is it all for? What is, all what for? is this 26 day content blitz for awareness in the beginning, a little bit of long-term SEO play, and then having a, a good page for someone to land on. It's that definitely does... not to grow our YouTube channel. Exactly. Like the, there are enough good things that are going to come of the cumulative effort of this project hopefully when it finishes and we will be able to report <laughs> not, back on that. We'll tell you that as well. Yeah. Uh, so one thing I wanted to share too was kind of how I'm thinking about breaking bigger tasks of this project into uh, more accomplishable things. Okay. So I, while you've been working on all the scripts, I have been taking the scripts and creating the first version of the article of them. So we have this metaphor about clay, right? So it's like, uh, you know, in pottery, you have a hunk of clay and you just kind of are throwing it on the wheel. And that to me is the first, like, I just created the article. I just like did that. The raw materials. Like I pulled together yeah. something. Yeah. The, uh, the next part of that is like starting to shape the clay. So I take your entire YouTube script and I look at it and go, okay, well, this isn't an article. Like you can't read yep. this as an article. So let me kind of reformat this to have headings. What are the main points? Let me reformat this to pull out like, okay, what are a couple little quick stories that could be throughout this? And then what's really like the main takeaway? Like what is someone walking away from this with? Great. So that's kind of like the molding and shaping part. And then the part that we have not done yet is going to be kind of like your, your finishing, your glazing, put it in the kiln, you get a nice like piece of pottery. Um, so that's the part we haven't done yet, but I feel really good that I, I think you've finished what, 10 scripts now? 10 scripts. I think I've done eight articles or seven articles and like they're ready for you to look at. They're right. not ready to be published, but I have chipped away at that you've process. You've shaped them. So that they're not ready to be glazed. We're not going to glaze those suckers yet, but I, I just think that's a really maybe helpful thing for someone listening to this is whatever content or things you're creating, is there a way instead of going from like a, a hunk of clay to glazing in every single time you're working on that yes. thing to more so go, well, can I get this to the sculpted phase and then have a time later on in my schedule when I'm doing all my glazing 
and finishing. You know, I actually want to spend a little bit more time on this because I really want to emphasize it because I do think I, I take it for granted now that this is our process, but this was a game changer in terms of our ability to create more content, to create more projects, because I used to be that person who wanted to get it from hunk of clay to glazing. And I used to be so worried about what it would take to glaze it and what it would take to fire it before I had even gotten clay on the wheel. Yeah. And that's what prevented me from ever getting clay on the wheel because it just felt so overwhelming. And it wasn't until I trained my brain to go, no, just get something just. And this is how we started doing newsletters together mm -hmm. is like, we just get a hunk of clay and usually it's you putting clay on the wheel and then I'm kind of forming it and, and, you know, making it, shaping it and everything. And then you go back and glaze it and put it into the thing and schedule it. Right. Yeah. We do this with every single thing in our business and I think it's really kind of a hack to actually get more things out the door than you have maybe in the past because perfectionism has stopped you. Yeah. So, and, and also this applies to whenever I have a task that I feel like is I'm, I'm procrastinating or I'm avoiding. It's usually because I don't realize it, but I'm overwhelmed about how to get started because I'm thinking about the glazing. And so what I do is I set a timer. And I set it for like five minutes and I just, and that's, that timer is basically get clay on the wheel and it works every single time. It's like, if it's writing a thing, it's like, just get the words down. If it's designing a thing, it's like open the program and name the file. If it, whatever it is, the first step of getting clay on the wheel almost always starts a ripple effect where then I can start kind of molding it. Yeah. Great. Uh, do you want to talk about managing busy seasons? I think I already touched on that, which was my approach is to make sure that I'm balanced in all the other areas. Great. So all the habits and things like yeah, that. And I, so far it's working. Yeah. Like I don't feel like the world is crashing down yet. And we also said no to like a dinner last night. Yeah. And so, you know, I think in these busy seasons, you do have to be willing to say no to things. You might. I wanted to want say to. yes, but yeah. I knew that if I went to this social thing, first of all, I would be more tired today just because it's, you know, as an introvert, it's... Yeah. energy expenditure I would probably have a glass of wine which means I was and I would probably have food that's like richer than we normally have at home that would mean I would sleep less that would mean I'd wake up tired that would mean my brain would be foggy in the this morning this podcast would and not have gotten recorded it, it wouldn't have gone well <laughs> and it really is this cascade effect so sometimes I do find and it's on a case-by-case -case basis like I'm not saying you know you have to like restrict yourself and not live a fun life because what is it all for but um, with projects like this, I can see the domino effect of some of those choices and the cost benefit analysis of it is like, this isn't worth it. Yeah. Yeah. And we have other social things that we're doing. So yeah. it wasn't like saying no to this one left us with nothing. It was like, well, we have something tonight anyway. So it's like, well, we just have so many social things. Now. So social. We have um, more friends here than we ever had. In I know it's wild. Uh, let's talk about filming videos together. So, uh, as of recording this podcast, you're going to keep working on scripts pretty much all through uh, the weekend. The weekend, And I guess we're supposed to start filming next week, mm -hmm. right? Um, this is going to be the toughest part of the project. Absolutely. Is filming together. This is where we have the most friction. Absolutely. And so one of the things we've been thinking about is, well, do we, do we film like the intro or like kind of like a, a sillier part where we're together and then the end part? So like just think of it as like the intro and the outro. Do we film those together? And then just one person does... 13 of the videos and then yeah. one person does 13 of the videos. We have not had this debate yet in discussion. Yeah. So here it is. Live. Here it is. Like, yeah. yeah, we are now in the debate day bed. Ooh, Ooh, feels good. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm still open to that for sure. The separate 
I'm open to the separate. Separate Davids. But because I, you know, I think part of it's fun too of like some some topics I do think lend themselves better to like my voice versus your voice. Mm -hmm. But I told you that I think one of the like differentiators of our channel is the fact that we're giving business advice as a couple and you don't always see that. Mm -hmm. So like even just visually that adds some type of contrast, which I think I is think interesting. what you're saying is that I look visually interesting on camera. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but okay. you do. Okay. Um, so that's, that's weighing in my mind. On the other hand, it is always a challenge to kind of like divvy up the script in such a way where it doesn't feel broken up and, right. and it doesn't feel like, okay, you take this line now, you take this line, you know? And I do wonder sometimes for the viewer, is that a little jumbly? Um, yeah. In my, in my belief, the, if we were to film these separately, and just be in the together in the intro and the outro, I think that adds enough of us together that it's okay. And I think it might make the overall process a little bit better where it's like, because what happens when we sit down to film is like, I just want to entertain. Like, and this is ingrained to in me from uh, 1600 live video shows that I recorded in my previous work life. Mm -hmm. And you, I, I just had to entertain people. So it's like hardwired in my brain, like, when I'm looking at a camera, gotta entertain. Can I be honest? Yeah, sure. I think it also scares me because that means that 13 of these scripts that I've written. Yeah. Well, give me the crappy ones. Are going to be in your, it is going to be your responsibility to convey that information. And you're not going to, and I don't expect you to go line by line because this is not how you do it. Like you're yeah. not going to like read a line and then tell the line exactly. You're going to sort of like ad lib it and try to get the point across. But from even doing like our coaching sessions where like I do the slides for our coaching sessions, yeah. but we divvy them up so that you, like every time you take slides and I'm, by the way, I'm saying this not as like a, you're doing this wrong, Jason. I'm saying this as like a, I'm a control freak when it comes to my own content. Yeah. So even the slides that I give you that you do a perfectly great job of, but secretly in my head, I'm like, I would have said, I would, he, <laughs> I'm like, he left that out. Well, and the funny part is it's you not like. You put the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah. And it's not like, it's not like I'm reading a slide of something I don't know. It's like we're both teaching no, exactly. the same exact thing that we know. It's just you would say it in a different way than I do. Yes, and, and so I would give different supporting feel, points. Yeah. And I so would... I think if you can, again, give me 13 of the crappy scripts <laughs> there, that you don't mind if I mess up. There are no, um, crappy, no crappy scripts. scripts around here. There's no crappy but, scripts. But uh, I don't know. We're, we're going to figure this out. I just am being honest with you about that is something that. Because here's, uh, can I just, yeah. sorry, real quick. I think what's going to happen. Could I stand behind the camera and yell at you and be like, do another take. <laughs> I think, I think. In the history of us filming videos together, the better process is you giving feedback, but being okay with me just doing like a couple takes, as opposed to us sitting next to each other and then it disrupting what you're going to have to say next. Oh, that is a good point. I think it's it's like it's two hills of molasses, but like one has like a couple of rocks in it. So let's go up the one with a couple of rocks because we're actually going to get up that one, which yeah. would be us doing it separately. Yeah. What you're saying is part of the friction comes from me trying to direct you as the, as the person on camera. And then I get flustered because then it's like, okay, I, I directed you and then maybe you tried it again or whatever, but then I have to be responsible then for delivering the next portion of the video. Yeah. And it's a lot, it's like wearing two hats basically. Yeah. So you're yeah. saying it would go better if I was just wearing one hat and yeah. some of those. Yeah. Okay. That's a good <laughs> point. Yeah. I also am just interested in maybe researching and finding 
you know, another, because I can't visualize how it's going to make sense to the viewer watching an intro with us, then suddenly, then like a little trailer or whatever, you know, the actual little intro graphics and then into the meat of the episode. But then suddenly there's just one person on camera. I just visually can't picture in my head how that feels cohesive. And what I don't want to do, which I shared with you, is every single video for 26 videos somehow in the first couple lines say like, and now, I, yeah, like, I, bye, Caroline. You know what I to mean? To me, this is uh, this is not meant as a criticism. It's just an easy way to explain it. I think this is an overthinking thing. I think it's just we're there for the intro together. We don't even have to mention it. You're then on camera teaching the thing. Everyone's going to be like, where'd Jason go? Oh, he's not here. That's fine. And now right. I'm learning from Caroline. It's just... just go you know what I mean like again I think this is a perfect example and I and I don't disagree with you like I don't doubt that it's just I would feel so much more confident if as a viewer I could see that and go oh yeah I didn't bother me at all yeah that's all I'm saying I think it's gonna be fine I I don't think you've you've mentioned a few times that you think it's gonna be fine yeah and I would just like to counter with I don't think it's gonna be fine so I would love to find an example great I think it's gonna be fine. All right, last point on here. I think let's save this for next week because we've already chatted quite a bunch. Definitely. uh, And we have to get to our segment. We do. So we're gonna save this last bullet point here uh, for next week's episode. What is the bullet point? Come back to find out. Plenty to talk about. Cliffhanger, which is a good movie, by the way. Yeah. Um, All right, we are gonna get into our calm business confidential segment. We still don't have like a, we don't have a sting. We don't have a celebrity endorsement of any kind. Um, but not yet, but you know, maybe we'll get there. Yeah. Calm business confidential, Carol lay it on the folks. What is this? Calm business confidential is a little segment where each of us brings a business to the, the pod that the other person doesn't know, like what we're going to say. And we want to highlight the story of a business that isn't your billion dollar growth story business. It's not your startup unicorn, this and that it's like, no, just a person who decided that they wanted to earn money online, live a good life in the process, and you know, not try to build the next $100 million Uber. business. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's really highlighting these small businesses with people who want to live a good life and use online business as a tool to do that. Yeah, and small is definitely... Uh, subjective Small here. Small subjective. So we're all just, over the map. Uh, did you mention what our parameters were? Mm-mm. Our parameters are basically like this business has to be making under $1.5 million per year, but it does have to be making something. So like over $50,000 per year. Sure. Um, and that's not to say that you have to do that. We're just saying to these business, it gave us parameters for what to find as we we're looking for things. Okay. Do you want to start or would you like me to start? You can start. All right. Uh, my calm business confidential this week is uh, something we've talked about before on this podcast. And it is a an app created by Adam Pytrasiak. I think that's how you say his name because his Twitter handle is Pi6K. So I think it's Pytrasiak. Um, we'll call him Adam from here moving forward. Adam created Screen Studio. So Screen Studio mm-hmm. is the video editing app that I talked about a couple episodes ago. I absolutely love it. It is a Mac only app, um, but it's really good for like screen recordings, demos. It follows your mouse around. It does automatic zooms. It is just an incredible piece of software. But I wanted to talk about how Screen Studio came to life. Okay. So I found a couple interviews of Adam. He hasn't done very many interviews. Uh, I went back through a ton of his tweets because he basically tweets like, 
eight times a day about this project. Wow. So I really had to like scroll back and like yeah. get back there. And then also Twitter slash X now, like you have to pay to have tweets longer than a certain period oh. of time, which I did not do, but I just was like, you know, putting some things together. So anyway, Adam, like, so I know the story of this business going back to last week. To, yeah. Yeah. So Adam started with a productivity app back in 2020, which is where almost in our, 2020, almost our so almost all software developers start is a productivity app. Right. So 2020 but is wait, when did I hear that right? He started a okay. productivity app. Wow. Back in 2020. This is what I told you the other day, which is like when I hear people talk now about businesses they started in yeah. 2020 and now they're like hyper successful because it's been literally three years since 2020. And in my mind, I'm like, wait a second, you did anything during the pandemic? Anyway, exactly. it blows so, my mind. Uh, with that app, uh, he was just a developer for like a company before that. So this was a side project. He had no business plan, but he quit his job. He had some savings and was just like, I want to build a better productivity app than I've seen. Mm. Uh he basically did not get any success with it. Couldn't get any traction for it. It was the the classic creation cave. Like he just made this thing and like didn't talk about it and then released it and like no one used it. Um, and then around that time, as many people started to feel, he had some mental health and anxiety issues. Okay. And so I think the pandemic took a toll on him um, and he started doing therapy, which was extremely helpful. And the reason I bring this up is I'll, I'll share kind of at the end, you know, how this comes back around, but his work schedule, he really had to change. Mm -hmm. And so he actually took a two year break after that i have a mental health break in uh yours? in mine as well nice. that's the so theme. took a two-year break and, and stopped working on the productivity app uh decided to close the app down because no one was downloading it anyway and realized that like an app like that has just so much to it like a productivity right. app is just like open-ended forever right and he was like i want to build a new project but i want it to be like very constraining on what it does solve a very hyper specific a very problem. specific problem and really what he thought about this was how many people would release an app on like product hunt or whatever. And the like demo screenshot that they did was always crappy. Yeah. Like there, there, there was no zoom to it. There was no like, wait, what are you pointing at? Like, yeah. where's the mouse? Like, I don't know what I'm like, what, what's happening. And, and he was like, well, I wonder if I could, I could do that. And he looked at, uh, his inspiration was stripes, Twitter profile. And he noticed they had these like beautiful product videos. And he looked at them frame by frame thinking like, could I make an app that does exactly how they've edited this? Because they're Whoa. doing it all in right, editing. Right, right. So he was like, you know, and, and not like compromise so he, the quality. Wait, so can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah. So if, so for example. I'm it, not Adam, but I'll do okay, my best. If Stripe is manually editing their demo video where their clicker is zooming into yes. like a specific part of their app, Adam's looking at it frame by frame and going, oh, I can write some type of software code that yes. basically says for these frames, zoom in you know, 0.025% at a time yep. to basically create this like smooth zoom. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That is so smart. Yeah. So he, uh, so that was kind of his inspiration. He didn't do any product research. He just essentially took all of this, like, I've looked at all these videos. I've looked at all these things. I know how this could be better. And let me just build a, a, a video recording software that does these demo videos, but that's all it does. And don't bloat it with like tons of extra features. Don't add in like, you can't add music tracks. Like you can't do any of that. Mm -hmm. All you can do is just create these demo videos. So he basically like went into a creation cave again, but then shared the entire process this time of building it. Learned a little bit from his last and thing. And started to get some following on Twitter. I uh -huh. can't remember what his exact followers are. I guess I could have looked at that, but I don't really care. Um, he's on Twitter at Pi6K. I'll leave his handle in the show notes if you want to read some of his tweets. And so basically just like the entire process of building this thing um, went through and shared all of it. And you know, I think he said like the way that he thought about it was like, 
posting on Twitter was like closing down my work day. So it was like, okay, uh-huh. what did I do today? And I would just oh, share the okay. thing, which is like a really interesting way to think about yep. like, for those of you who post on Instagram or whatever, like that's a way to change your thinking of, well, what do I post on Instagram today? It's like, well, do your work throughout the day. Yep. Then at the end of the day, go, well, what did I work on today? And then share that thing. Yeah. So uh, he's still, uh, he's said this multiple times recently. He's still not sure about the pricing structure because the way that Screen Studio is sold is just per license one time. Right. So it's like $89, I think, is for the lowest tier. Which, full disclosure, we bought it and we use it and we love it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So I We I don't men- know Adam, but we just love the software. Yeah, I mentioned this in uh, our episode 171, talked a little bit more about Screen Studio because that was when I first found it. Um, but essentially, like, you buy it, you get one year of updates uh, on the app. And then after that, I think, like, you could pay again or you can just leave the app as it is and, and not do it. So we actually paid for the, the two license um, thing. He th- he's thinking about switching to a subscription pricing, which I think we would definitely pay for because it's a great app. It's only going to continue to get better. Now, there aren't any public numbers on how much he's made from this, yeah. but I extrapolated out some some data, as you like to do. Oh, I wish I'd done that. Uh, this is what you got to do in the Calm Business Confidential. Okay, well, next time I'll try to extrapolate. Since this launch, so he basically built it in all of 2022, mm-hmm. and he launched it in November 2022. And he shared a graph that his traffic from November, you can do this later if you want, because I want you to hear these numbers. I'm hearing, I promise. From November, 2022, until I got these numbers, maybe till up until August or maybe July, 250,000 website visitors to the Screen Studio website. Wow. So pretty good. That's a pretty good amount of traffic. It's like almost all from Twitter, which is kind of crazy. That is crazy. Really good. Um, If you do a 1% conversion, so pretty good standard like that's a that's a fairly good conversion rate it's a very focused product so like if you're going there you know what you're looking for right 1% conversion at $89 what's your quick math guess 1% of 250 is 250 right so 250 I don't know okay $224,000 would be 1% conversion rate at an $89 licensed product. Because basically it's like $100 is what it works out to. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. how I should have so done that. So it's like 0.2 back. Sure, sure, So sure. my guess is that in the, whatever that is, nine months, he has made a quarter of a million dollars selling Screen Studio if he has a 1% conversion. Now, if it's half a percent conversion, that would be $112,000. So still a six-figure business totally. selling this thing. If he has a 2% conversion, he's made almost half a million dollars in nine months selling Screen Studio. Wow. Now, again, I don't know what the numbers are. I, I don't have any idea, but I That love, just gives you a... Yeah, I love the just like a very clean business, a very simple business. I mean, I know recurring income is good, but like this to me is also one of those products where I think there are enough people that would buy this that he would never need to change to subscription revenue yeah. and could just do the one-time license. And if this is enough money for him to live a good life, it's making plenty of money. I love that. So that is my Com Business Confidential of the week. You can find our affiliate link actually to Screen Studio uh, in the description in the show notes of this. We love it. This is an app that like I'm super happy to like have information on Twitter to be able to talk about this. Yeah. Because otherwise, like I wouldn't have the story. I wouldn't know that he tried a failed productivity app before this. Wouldn't know he had to take a two year mental health break. And actually, literally yesterday, I just looked up to see like what's new. He's taking a week off for just like a mental health week and not working on the app because he's been really working on it hard the past yeah. couple months. Do you think it's just him? Like no help? It's, as far as I can tell, it's him and then a customer support person or two. Because okay. I emailed them a feature request and I got an email back from somebody else. Got it. And so that's what I would guess because I'm pretty sure it's just him coding the app, doing all the design, 
you would actually love his tweets because he shares a lot of like, here's how I'm changing the app icon and like here's how i thought about it here's like like the 20 iterations and like like why i didn't do a red button for the icon and purple instead Mm -hmm. so anyway that is adam pytrasiak i think that's how you say it uh screen studio is the app and links in the show notes for more very fun one all right also before i get into mine does that make you want to build a very hyper-focused software app um (sighs) yes because I can tell you and I are in this season right now where we have the itch. I see. Here's the thing. Uh, Do you have the itch? We are we are infopreneurs. Abs- is, is by what, trade. We, yeah. what we make yeah, the yeah. bulk of our money do. We sell information that we have learned and experienced and like can help people get from A to Z quicker than we got to A to Z. Yes. That's what we do. Yes. But I have had two other software products. Actually, I've had like five. You know, I've had oh, like yeah. five You've software had many products. More. A couple that have just been terrible. Just stinkers. Straight up stinkers. I can think of five off the top of my head. Okay. Um. I really, I love, I love the game of a software product. Yeah. It's to me. You like the product market fit game. I do. And infopreneurship is great, but it's also a little bit disheartening when like you give people as much information as possible, but like their life circumstances make it difficult to apply that information and they can't always do it. And Which you have compassion for, but but, but it's like, you can't take them that last 10 yards. Exactly. And where software is different is like, Hey, but this thing does the thing for you. I can take you across the. Exactly. And, and wow, sports metaphors. Sports metaphors. And so it's like I, I that's what I like about like little small focused software products. Like Tea Tree is a small focused product, but it's in a big space where it requires yeah. now a lot of features and a lot of things. I consider that like the productivity app space. Like I would love to build something like, like a that. screen studio that's as like one asking. of our next projects. But I think actually what we would do, and we've talked about this, is potentially buy one that's much smaller that like someone posted on Product Hunt that we got some traction, but like they just don't have the ability to market it. Like they're not good at that. All they did was post on Product Hunt. That's it. Mm -hmm. And like maybe we'd be interested to buy it, make some improvements and, you know, do whatever. So anyway. All right. Let's get to your calm business. I just had, speaking of that, had another idea the other day because I know we've talked about this before is not just going to like the marketplaces that are where people post that they want to sell their software business. Yeah. But when I was doing research on that daily deal idea, yeah, a lot of these daily deal sites are software daily deals. Right. And so you go there, that's a good kind of like curated aggregate of places of apps where you go, Oh, that does an interesting yeah. thing, but like, I, Oh, they don't market it much. I also think product hunt is like a, a of gold mine because it's like, it's just people posting and like this is kind of like they're shot in the dark to be right. like, will this be successful? And then when it's not because like there's too much competition now, then they're just left with like, well, now I don't know what to do with this thing. Right. And it's, there's a lot, and of, a lot of people. There. It's a side project and they don't have time to exactly. like, which a lot of your your uh, software projects were side projects. Exactly. And you didn't which, have is, the time. which is why I sold them. Which is why you sold well, them. Well, we sold them. But well, all right, let's get into your calm business confidential. You've been teasing me about this one. Because you're the second I say it, you're going to go, oh. Okay. 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 Um, let me let me prepare. Hold on. Can I get three practices? <clears throat> Here we go. <laughs> oh. Hold on. Let me really do one. Let me do one. Oh. Okay. Let me do one more. I'm gonna try. It. Let me do. I'm really gonna be shocked and like surprised. Oh. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> the change in tone is really great. Thank you. So my calm business confidential is Jen Wagner. Oh, I went, ooh, not oh. So that was, that one was real. Jen Wagner, who I don't know, by the way, but after doing a deep dive, have decided we have to be friends. And so it's only a matter of time, Jen. So Jen Wagner, um, her website is jenwagner.co. 
And if you are in the design world, you for sure, even if you don't know Jen Wagner by name, you have come across her fonts. Mm -hmm. So Jen Wagner is a font designer. So she has like a a font foundry basically. Um, But let me take you on the twisty road in order to get there. And part of the reason I wanted to share Jen's story at first was I am always interested in sharing different ways that people have monetized. So yes, we are at play in the entrepreneur, the digital product space, um, which I know she has done some courses before, but one of which is on tea tree, one of which is on tea tree. But I feel like not enough people think of, um, design assets or fonts or things like that as digital products that they Mm -hmm. can sell. And it's just like a different, a different way of going about monetizing your skills and talents. So let me take you on the windy journey Um, of Jen becoming literally like just a very successful type designer. Okay. So I don't have all the dates here, but years ago before 2018, I think this was like 2017 or whatever. Um, her business started out as I think either designer or marketer, but basically a client service business for design or marketing. And all of this started when she kind of had a, a lull in clients. So she she actually had only one client for seven months wow. and just like couldn't drum up business. And so she, I think she was starting to get kind of like stressed out about money. She had this big dream of being this like f- biggest female-led marketing firm in Denver. And it just like wasn't panning out. And she was just like, w- like a lot of us do, like what do I do kind mm-hmm. of thing. And um, the podcast interview that I listened to was really good because she was talking about also – how stressful it can be when like your self-worth is tied so much to your, to your finances. And so she was in kind of like a, a darker place at that time of like, what do I do? And she, I think she started dating her husband in high school maybe, but anyway, they've been together a long time and they're very supportive. He's a musician. Mm -hmm. And so I loved hearing her talk about their relationship a little bit, but her husband was really helping her and was just like, Hey, like for a second, just like stop worrying about the money and try to do something fun. And we actually were talking recently about um, a friend who came to us and this is the advice that you gave him as well, which is just stop putting so much pressure on yourself for a second and kind of follow your enthusiasm, right? Especially let go of sunk cost bias. Especially. I've done X I've for done the X. past I need to, five years. Yep. Let go of that. Yep. Just like be in a place of exploration. And so it's like, just make something for the sake of making yep. it. What would you want to make? And at the time she had just come across a plugin called Font Self. Do you remember when I showed oh, yeah, you Font yeah. Self? I think I still have it installed. I do too. Yeah, yeah. So Font Self is basically like a plugin that you can put into Illustrator, that Adobe Illustrator, that will help you design your own fonts. Yeah, and yeah. so you design all the characters and then it puts it together and you can use it as a font. I've designed my own fonts. Um, and so I'm sure we kind of discovered this around the same time probably. But anyway, she really loved the process of making fonts. And she talked a lot about in this podcast episode about the idea of an MVP, which mm-hmm. we talk about a lot as well as your minimum viable product and she was like I wasn't trying to make it like super fancy and this and that I just wanted to get a font done and so she really liked the process and started making fonts and her initial goal was just to make enough to pay for the water bill and Chipotle twice a week which I thought I really (laughs) liked love the extremely specific Specific. small goals she was like I just this is just what I want um and so slowly she started putting it on creative market so that was really her distribution platform and they started selling and it's really fun for me to go back and look at her creative market store because now her fonts I know her as like this very um specific style but I I went back through her catalog and the amount of Jen Wagner fonts that I had on my computer without knowing they were Jen Wagner fonts is incredible. Yeah. Like I so many. Can I give you my two word description of her fonts and let's see if it matches yours? Yes. Elegant professional. Now I think that is yeah. definitely the case. Yeah. She definitely, I, I think there was a time like her previous fonts were much more like 
playful, but they were like really high quality playful, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, and but now I think she's like refined her kind of like design style even more. Yeah. Um, they definitely give this like professional and kind of professional, but like trendy in a good way. Like she kind of like creates the trends, you know. Some would say. Some would say elegant, elegant. And professional. Yes. Um, I also love this side story. So she's on Creative Market. She's posting her fonts. Um, completely self-taught, just using font self basically. Um, in twenty, she tells this great story, which I feel like is so relatable. In 2018, she realized that she, at the end of the year, forgot to pay taxes, like forgot to pay quarterly taxes <laughs> and had this there. huge tax bill, which definitely we had a year like that. Yeah. We were like, tell me you're an online business owner without, without telling, telling me. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, what am I going to do? This is such a huge bill. It's probably the year that things kind of like took off. And she just was like, what? Um, and so she very much had this mentality, which we often talk about, which is, okay, how can I make money? Like, great. I have this goal. I need to pay this tax bill. Those types of constraints, I think oftentimes are so motivating. And so she's like, what can I do? And she realized that she was making like 29 cents per visitor to her creative market store. Hmm. So this is where the math comes in. Yeah, yeah. And she goes, if this is I- the math you didn't do. I can't do math. No, I can't this, do quick this math. is the math you didn't do ahead of time. No, I, this is, yeah, this could be the category of just math that I didn't do. Um, this is not like revenue math. This is ad math. So she goes, I make 29 cents per visit to my store. If I can use paid advertising to pay per click to get people, more people to my store. Like basically if I do anything under 20 cents per click to get someone there, it's nine cents a profit. And so she did this like math and figured it out how to use paid ads in order to get people to her store and to pay for this tax bill. And I just think that's so scrappy and great. Um, And also we talk a lot about using this type of math. We don't talk about paid advertising because it's not our wheelhouse, but we do talk a lot about doing the math to figure out, okay, if I make X amount of sales, I need to get X amount of people to my email newsletter and and doing those, like just what Jason was doing for the screen studio and being like, okay, 250,000, you know, visitors and traffic translates to what in, in making revenue. Okay. So then 2020, so she applied in 2019, she applies to this program, this like grad student program Hmm. at, um, I think it's called type at Cooper in New York city. They only accept like 16 students per year. She doesn't have a design degree. And they say that the qualifications are, you need to have a design degree or similar experience. And I love this story because so many people would go, I'm just a self-taught designer. I can't apply for this grad program. Like I don't, I'm not qualified. And she talks about how she did have those doubts and thoughts, but I love another um, little highlight from her husband. Her husband is full of great advice. Sounds great. She's fantastic, but he is as well. Sounds very similar in this relationship. Yeah, exactly. He told her the advice he gave her was when she was like, Oh, should I apply or whatever? And he always has this phrase that he had said since they had met in high school, which was like, go with the choice that makes the better story, Mm. which I love, which is just basically like, take a risk like do the thing like even if you don't make it like it's a all part of your journey that you tried you know and so she put together like a portfolio applied for this program got one of the 16 spots to this this uh grad program that's specifically for how to design type and so I think she said either it got canceled because of COVID or maybe she wasn't able to finish because of COVID but the point of that is she didn't even graduate from it but she said it was like one of the most invaluable things that she did and you can really see to me the difference when of the fonts that she started designing after that program I think yeah um and at least for me I was sort of like loosely in her sphere online and started being like whoa she's just coming out with these like incredible fonts but I liked her advice also was just like you know when confronted with something where you have imposter syndrome like just do it scared 
And so now the story of Jen Wagner is she, you know, literally went from teaching herself font self to now brands like Bath and Body Works and Victoria's Secret and Papyrus and Minted all use her fonts. Mm. And I think I this is may not be accurate, but I think I did hear her mention on a podcast that something like Victoria's Secret I mean, they have like 300 designers on staff. And so they have to buy licenses for every single one of the things. So I can't do the math there. But like if she's yeah. sell, selling licenses for... 100 bucks. I mean, exactly. yeah, you're and, $30,000. And I know she's getting sales every day because she yeah. kind of mentioned that. So I think I think this business like now is successful enough that she is getting these sales. Um, so much so that... Now she did say this is where also it's a, a very important part of the story... Oh, at one point she did move away from Creative Market to do her own Shopify website, which I think was, or no, she moved to Shopify, then she moved to Show It. And mm. I just want to mention that because this is also a pattern from, remember when I told you about Turtle Tags and um, Tim? Tim? Yeah. Starting out on a platform that has distribution like Etsy or yeah. Creative Market, but then eventually realizing that if you don't ever diversify and bring it to your own website, you're putting yourself at the mercy of their algorithm and, and totally. all of those things. So I think that is a smart point. So the stair step method is sort of start out on one of those platforms and then eventually move over to your own site and do your own marketing. Yeah. But she, at the end of 2022, decided to go all in on this idea of then expanding to these this like mock-up studio. So she, like completed, she started a completely different brand, like Gimlet Studios to do mock-ups and everything. And is pretty honest about the fact that she like completely burned herself out, like mm. really, really deep burnout anxiety, depression, like I could relate so much to a lot of the stuff I went through in 2019. But she was able to take three months off to kind of like her business was sustainable enough that she could take three months off and regroup and not have to, you know, she could do what she needed to do to keep the business running without having to go back to work. And to me, that's what a calm business is all about. Yeah. It's not the fact that you never experience anxiety. It's not the fact that it's calm all the time, but it means that you structure your business in such a way that it can support you when you do need to take that time for yourself. Yeah, and yeah we, for sure. And we all have to learn those limits yeah. of what that hot stove moment is for us of like what's pushing too hard. Yeah, and I, yeah, I, I think for a business like that too, there's just so much creative input all the time yeah and it's it's like adam with the screen studio like there's so much focused input on that type of business that like you just have to take breaks yeah and she also said that so i think she just had her second child but when she had her first child she was able to basically um afford help like to hire help for three days a week and so she was working three days a week and and she had her best year yet nice. and i think any business that allows you to have your first kid to be able to afford childcare and to only work three days a week and have your best year in business, you have set yourself up to have a calm business. And I think that's something to be really inspired by now for is, myself personally. Now is Jen uh, paying her taxes? <laughs> I think I, I, <laughs> Thinks, I think so. I think in the past five years, um, she's probably figured I think figured she's probably out. figured that we out. We figured it out too. If so. you want to learn more about her story, a podcast episode that I listened to that I found really uh, encapsulated like a lot of her story, but also talking about the anxiety and the the burnout and all of that. It was on the podcast called Better. Mm. So the Better podcast with Jen Davis, if you cool. search that. Well, you can just, I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. But they did a great job of talking. It was a fun episode to listen to. Cool. And I just love that. That was a great Calm Business Confidential. Okay. Yeah. Uh, always love that we can like throw a tea tree plug in there too. You know, someone who uses tea tree. It's True. great to have Jen on tea tree. Uh, yeah. Very fun. Cool. Let's finish up with our Pomble. 
the palm bowl. The post bowl. What is going on with our lives in Portugal? Well, I think what we wanted to share was you had a birthday last week. I did have a birthday. I turned 35 years yep. old. Young. Young. Whatever. Whatever. Middle. Middle. 35 years middle. And it was a great day. It was a very like, I just kept, the words that came to my mind were like simple and sweet. There you just go. a simple and sweet birthday. It was, my husband was very thoughtful. He did a little uh, surprise for me when I woke up. He had little coupons that I got to use throughout the day. Yeah, yeah. You made some. This is a, a little birthday life hack if you all want to steal this. Um, essentially, like things that your partner loves to do yeah. or that would be fun to do or like a couple ideas that you come up with, just write them down on little scrap pieces of paper and just be like, hey, you get to use these throughout the day. Which is funny because... I realized about halfway through the day, it was just literally a schedule. That's all it was. <laughs> but it's like, like in a fun way. In a fun you know? way. And so every time we would do something, you would rip up a you coupon. You want to go, hey, if you're a more creative person, make a little like coin box out of cardboard and then make all of them into little tokens and you deposit the tokens into Cute. the box. That'd be I do fun. like that. You're welcome. You're going to make your partner so happy. And um, so, yeah, we did all kinds of fun little things. You made me gluten-free cheddar chive biscuits were mm. just delightful. I forgot to put the candles in that I bought though for That's one okay. euro each. We did it the next day. Dang it. Um, and we played a little cornhole outside. Yeah, yeah we busted out the cornhole I went set. and got my hair done. Yeah, yeah. We, we, you did a slideshow. I did. I picked uh, 99 photos on my camera roll of our life together now from, why 99 out of curiosity well it just ended up being that yeah okay I didn't, interesting. I didn't have like a choice interesting it was like oh it's got to be 100 but my parameter was i wanted it to be before 2022 because you know we have so much content for 2022 i wasn't about to lose it was more memory lane yeah so it was like our very first photo together all the way up until the end of 2021. And boy, like, was that a hoot. That was an yeah. hour of us just laughing. And we got some great plaques memories. That was our dog yes. who passed. But just so fun to see like him and his like chonky stage back when we were in Florida. And, like, I think we- this is also such a good activity for special occasions because we take more photos than we've ever taken yeah. like in the history of time and we carve out no time to go through them exactly and so i think we do this on new year's a lot of times too yeah. is we'll make like a little video for ourselves of like things we did that year but i think carving out time to go through photos is a good life hack yeah it's a game changer uh yeah so we did that and then what did we do for dinner oh we went to the new little restaurant little and we went spot. to a new restaurant which was fantastic oh, it's always fun to try a new restaurant yeah, it's one of my favorite activities. Yeah. So it was a great birthday. And I don't, I'm just going to be honest. Like, I don't know what I think 35 is supposed to be like, but I don't feel 35. Yeah. I think this is a normal human thing where like no one feels the their age they age. are. I don't think anybody does. I feel perpetually 27. Right when I get up out of bed, I feel 30 years older than I am. <laughs> really? Because it's just like you got to grease the so joints. Yeah. Everything's all crackly. <laughs> uh, and then like 10 minutes later while I'm making coffee, I'm like, ah, I feel like 27. Yeah. You know? Like that's what I feel well, like. Well, that's so. how old I am. You can't also be 27. Oh, well, then I'm 26 because obviously I look younger <laughs> the two of us. Because cougar. Yeah. Uh, what? What? Um, yeah. So that's been uh, not, not a ton to update on in Portugal because we've been in work mode, but your birthday, we did have a good day. Um, and then those of you keeping track of my knee saga, mm-hmm. uh, I shared last week, I got some bad uh, news from the MRI result and the first doctor who literally looked like he saw a patient who had been in a car accident is what basically the way he looked at me. Um, I have two appointments scheduled. So I have an appointment in Lisbon at like a sports injury specialist clinic. Mm-hmm. They also do dental work, which I thought was very funny. <laughs> Their clinic looks fantastic though. Like it just looks amazing. Just the, like the, the facility yeah, itself. Like it's like wood and plants. Ooh, and like, oh, okay. it just looks beautiful. I'll, I'll go sh- with you. I got to show it to you. I'll go with you. Um, we are doing a teleconsult because I don't have to drive into Lisbon, which is nice. But then we are going to the, the hospital where I got the MRI okay. to um, have them another doctor review. So I'm going to have three opinions on my knee. And, and not then- that I need three opinions, but at this point I'm just like, 
the news was so bad from the first one that I just would love to get some other opinions because I would just, I would like to know if it's possible for me to get my knee back to a place where I can play paddle tennis and not be, not to be scared of that. Yeah. And if they say like, nah, man, sorry, like you've put in the work on this knee, like don't do that. Yeah. I will listen, but I would just like to, I'd like to get other opinions on that. I so, hear that. Yeah. And I think you've been handling it really well and you've been doing very adult things of making all the appointments and getting the uh, opinions instead of just being like, ah, this will take care of itself. Yeah, yeah, no, no. And I've been doing a lot of pre-rehabilitation on my leg. Um, you know, just a lot of more leg exercises, a lot more things. Like if I could give anybody a piece of advice listening to this, just start doing a lot of simple leg exercises now. Mm. Because like our knees are the things that like deteriorate the fastest on our bodies. And like everyone has degenerative knees at some point because it's just like a weak point of our bodies. So I've watched enough meniscus tear videos at this point to know wow. everybody should be working on this. And it, it's just simple stuff, but it's helpful. What's so, a knee extra? Like what, what would I do? Oh, just like little like half squats, um, little step ups just making sure that your calves, your hamstrings and your quadriceps are all equal strength. Cause a lot of people just have like mm. either strong calves or just strong quadriceps. So they never work their hamstrings. So it's just trying to equal that out. Hamstrings are like deadlifts. Hamstrings are deadlifts. Yep. Yep. I but think it's, my but quads it's also, and my deadlifts are. It's get, also it's, simple exercises. It's right. like l just leg raises, like laying on the ground and lifting your leg up 50 times per leg. Um, standing up on Wait, like a little elevated Like a step. lower ab exercise? Like this. No, just like a leg raise. So like I'm sitting oh. on the floor in an L shape with my legs forward and just one leg, I'm just uh, strengthening or flexing my quad yeah. and just raising my foot 50 times right? just to fatigue and, and work the muscle. Okay, cool. Um, but anybody could literally go and like find a video on like, you know, simple knee exercises or leg exercises. I, honestly, I think this is like something. Do I you regret do. kind of using your body to its... No, the, you know what I'm trying to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm not a person who ever lives with any type of regrets. So right. It's just like, Maybe regret was the wrong word. Yeah, I do. I did. If I could go back, yeah, I would love to. This is probably what every person who is athletic says. I wish I had the information now yeah. that we now have 20 years ago mm -hmm. when I was doing all the things I was doing. Because like I was playing basketball for like three or four hours a day, but then I was also then trying to squat like 700 pounds. Like, why so am I dumb. doing that? Those two sports shouldn't go together. Yeah. I should have been doing all of the little simple, like build up all the muscles but to you protect. Just didn't know. I was doing all the power stuff that was just stupid. Like I shouldn't have been doing that. Yeah. Well, we just had so much less information about yeah. like what does strength mean? It's but it also I, makes me think, yeah. what is the thing that I'm going to look course. back 20 years exactly. from now and go, I wish I would have. Yeah. Exactly. And and I think like it's like you're watching Hard Knocks with me now on, yeah. on Max. Because I'm a good at sports balls. Because you're a good at sports uh, lady. And when you see any of their workouts, like barely any of it is what NFL players were doing 20 years ago. Right. Like they're just some of, there's a couple little lingering things that people still do, but the majority of it is like stability, functional, like, functional, like small movements that are difficult. And so... Anyway, that's the knee update. Uh, I'll have more because I'll have another appointment next week uh, to, to relay more information on. Also, we're, we've taken off our Portuguese lessons and we are rusty. We are rusty. We need that, to review. That kicks back up in two weeks. So we have two weeks. I think, you know, this week we need to give ourselves the permission. We don't need anything else yeah. on the plate. But next week we need to carve out 20, 30 minutes a day and just like get, get back into it. Okay, good play idea. Play some Scrabble. Yeah. Play some apps. Okay. Do some things. Great. All right, that's our episode. We hope you enjoyed it. it. went a little bit longer, but you know, if you listen all the way to this part, 
We love you so much. We love you. You love us. It's a we're love just, tree. We're together. It's a love nest. It's, a, it's the bubble cave. It's a love dress. It's the daybed of d- desi- design. Desire. It's a no, of desire. No, did not that's desire. A, that's a different. That that's is a, a, that's no- a novella. That's, that's a-, a birthday token right there. <laughs> the daybed of desire. I'll see you in the daybed of desire. Oh, okay. That sounds nice. Okay, bye. <laughs>